Let us join together in the prayer for illumination. Holy God, as we turn to the scriptures, open our hearts and minds that we might encounter you in the person of Jesus Christ. Be with us as the word is read and proclaimed, that we might know you more fully and follow you more faithfully. A lesson from the Gospel, John chapter 18, 33 to 38, chapter 19, 9 to 11, A, and 13 to 16, A. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask me this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation, the chief priests, have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, <clears throat> My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'd love to have a moment with the children who have sat so patiently and attentively through the service. So great to have you at the communion table with us. Come on down. And thanks to those of you who sang for us. It was beautiful. Made us all very happy to see your faces praising God up there. Welcome, welcome. What a nice big group we've got today. Mama. <laughs> Hi there. Glad to see you. This is, you're five. That's exciting. Come on up. I used to be four, but now I'm five. I used to be four, too, but that was a long time ago. Well, today is Palm Sunday, and I know many of you had a good time waving your palms, and I was so glad to see all of that. It was very joyful. But now we're moving into a part of the story of Jesus that gets a little sad because Jesus is getting ready to die. And that makes me sad. 
that make you sad too? Yeah. Sometimes there are things that make us sad and it's something we think about. Like how do we, how do we pray when we're sad? Well, let me tell you a story. It's a makeup story, but let's say once upon a time there was a little boy named Derek who was sad because his grandfather had died. He had a best friend named Sally, and um, Sally really loved Derek, and she knew he was sad. So she was talking with her mom at the kitchen table, and she said, Derek is really sad, and I don't know what to do. And her mom said, well, Sally, first, why don't we pray for Derek? Let's pray that he will know God's love and God's comfort. And so they prayed together. And then her mom said, and now let's think about what we can do. Maybe there's something we can do for Derek to make him feel that we love him and to help him feel better. And so Sally thought and said, maybe I could invite him to come over and play next week, next Saturday. And her mom said, yeah, I think that would be good. That would be really good. And she thought some more and said, maybe I could draw him a, a happy picture and just tell him I'm thinking about him. And her mom said, oh, that's a really good idea. And then Sally said, hey, mom, maybe you could make him some of those oatmeal chocolate chip cookies that he likes so much when he comes over. And her mom said, that's a great idea because I want to do something too. So sometimes when we have friends who are sad, we can pray for them and then we can think about what can I do that might help. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we know that you're with us every single day. You're with us when we're sad and when we're happy. We thank you so much for being with us. Help us always to know we can pray and we can talk to you and be with you. And help us to know what we can do to help other people feel better and to make the world a better place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, three, four, and five-year-olds can go to Children's Church with Pastor Maggie and I think Pastor Stacey too. I know, good for you. I know the order of service feels a little different for those of us who are used to the rhythm of worship here at West End. Uh, We're used to communion after the sermon and everything feels a little bit different today. And that's somewhat intentional because it is a different kind of day. It is Palm Passion Sunday, and through the course of this service of worship, we have walked from Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem with the palms waving to now this moment, where he stands abandoned and deserted by his disciples, accused by the chief priests, and at the mercy of Pontius Pilate. And I have to confess, I wasn't sure that I wanted to stick with this story today. After the events of Monday and all that has unfolded since, I wasn't sure that this moment that Jesus is condemned to death was what we needed to hear or what I needed to hear. Because like you, my heart is is broken. I couldn't get through much time on Monday without the tears welling up. Tears of grief and compassion for our neighbors at Covenant. And over the next few days, I learned of many connections that those in our church family have. Family, 
neighbors, friends who were lost in that horrible shooting. And we all grieve as a community. And so we bring that with us this morning. And I confess, I woke up on Tuesday morning and I was angry. I'm just angry that this has happened again and it has happened here. And Nashville now is on that really long list of communities affected by mass shootings in schools. And as someone who has devoted my life to ministry in the church and who believes with my whole heart in the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven and wanting to live a life that helps bring about this beloved community, I just can't, I can't fathom that God's beloved community would, include, would involve people walking around with AR-15s. I just, I just don't understand. And so I grieve and I want to do something. And I know you do too. Regardless of our perspectives on all of these things, we want to do something. We don't want this to happen again to anyone, anywhere. And so we come to this moment between Jesus and Pilate. And it may be easy to look at this interaction and, and think that Jesus is powerless and helpless at the mercy of the powers that be. The way John tells the story, Pilate is going back and forth between his headquarters where he's interrogating Jesus one-on-one -on -one, and the chief priests. When the gospel writer says the Jews in this text, he's talking about the chief priests, the leaders, those with authority. And both Pilate and the chief priests have a lot of power and they have the same motivation to keep that power, to keep things as they are, because as they are, they're on top. They have all the power. Now the chief priests are threatened by Jesus and the ways that the, the crowd is paying attention to Jesus and following him and listening to him and the ways that he has challenged them and their authority. So they wanna get rid of Jesus. He's a threat to their power. Pilate, doesn't really care so much. He was sent there by the emperor Tiberius to keep order, to keep the Jews in line because they had a history of rebellion and, and making trouble for the empire. He doesn't believe in the Jewish God and he keeps trying to hand Jesus back to the religious leaders. You go put him on trial yourselves. I don't want anything to do with him. But in the end, he makes the decision to have Jesus crucified. Even though he may think Jesus is innocent, even though he knows it's the wrong thing to do, he does what is expedient. He is being the stereotypical politician, weighing the opinions of others and doing what's easiest. And he sends Jesus off to be crucified. And, and we see Jesus in the conversation not standing up for himself and not making a case for himself, not trying to defend himself. We hear him say, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my followers would rise up and take up arms and fight for me. And there's part of me that wants to say, then do it. Tell him to do it. Fight back, Jesus. You're innocent. Don't let them do this. And later, Pilate says, don't you know I have the power 
to release you or to crucify you? And it looks at first glance like he does. And he uses it to send Jesus to his death. And so at first glance, it may seem that this story may not much have much to offer us if we're feeling powerless and helpless and broken and weak. But we have different eyes. We are invited to see this story in a different light because we know who Jesus is. And we know the power that he has. Oh, it's not worldly power. When Pilate's talking about kings and kingdoms, he's thinking about worldly power, the power to dominate, the power to control, the power to conquer, the power of violence and fear. When Jesus says, my kingdom is not that. (laughs) My kingdom is not of this world. He'd been tempted At the beginning of his ministry, when he went into the wilderness for 40 days, the devil tempted him to be that kind of king. Look, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world to control and dominate and conquer. And Jesus said no. That is not the kind of power he will accept or use in the world. The power that Jesus has is invisible to Pilate. But with the eyes of faith, we can see it. And we can see that it is not Jesus who is on trial. It is Pilate who is on trial. And the chief priests who are on trial. And the powers of this world who are on trial. Jesus speaks truthfully to Pilate. As he has in all of these encounters along the way in John's gospel, he offers himself and Pilate cannot see. And so we know the result of Pilate's trial. So, do we have eyes to see the power that Jesus has? The power of vulnerable love. A power that chooses to take on the suffering that is not his own. A power to choose not to defend himself or protect his own power or to keep the status quo, but a power to give his life away for the sake of truth for the sake of love, for the sake of grace. It may look powerless to the world, but it is the greatest power there is. Last night, we got back kind of late from the pilgrimage to Montgomery. And I see some of you were here this morning after that late night arrival home. This is our second annual pilgrimage to visit the sites in Montgomery and Selma. We missed Birmingham because of a traffic jam, but to hear those stories again and to witness how the power of vulnerable love, the power of organized, non-violent, shared resistance has continued to make a difference to fight against the powers of the world that want to maintain the status quo. And so this story of Jesus really is, for me, a call to action. To pray with our, with our hands and our feet for a better world, for the beloved community, for the kingdom of God.
Never to give in to the forces of violence. Never to give in to hopelessness or fear or ultimately to anger. But to trust that the way of Christ, the way of grace and mercy and persistence and justice and hope will never be defeated, ever. As this week goes on, it will sure look like it. As we walk with Jesus, we see him go alone to the cross and all will go dark. And on Friday night, it will seem to us like the light has been extinguished, that all hope is lost. But then, we will come back here on Sunday and that tomb will be empty and we will sing the songs and pray the prayers and lift up our voices to shout to the world that death does not have the final word. The powers of this world have been overturned and that the God of life, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of resurrection has been set loose in the world and is within us to change the world. Thanks be to God.